Support for IPR comes from Hands in Harmony, a therapeutic healthcare facility with a splash of spa and a team of holistic healers to help in the quest for health, harmony, and happiness. Cedar Rapids and Mount Vernon. Classes, massage, and more at myhih.com. It's River to River from IPR News. I'm Ben Kiefer. The state of Iowa uh, recently rejected nearly $30 million in federal summer food assistance, assistance for children of low-income families. This comes at the same time demand at food pantries around the state is high, and we know tens of thousands of Iowans are struggling with hunger. So this hour, we focus on food insecurity in our state and what's being done about it. Later, we'll hear how advocates for the summer EBT program, as it's known, turned out yesterday at our state capitol to voice their concerns. The summer EBT program would provide $120 in nutrition benefits to each of the 245,000 children in Iowa who qualify for free and reduced price school meals during the summer. And we want you to participate this hour. Have you or a loved one uh, been helped by the summer food assistance program? Are you food insecure? This means lacking reliable access to a sufficient quantity of affordable, nutritious food. So join our conversation, one 780 or email us, river to river at iowapublicradio.org. Yesterday, I spoke with an Iowan who lives in the northwest part of the state, a man whose family does struggle with food insecurity. He requested we use his first name due to the stigma attached to his family's food insecurity. Dan, welcome to the program, and thank you so much for being willing to share your situation, a struggle that we know many thousands of Iowans share. Dan, welcome. Thank you. Before I ask you about your view on uh, our state rejecting this federal summer food assistance for children in need, tell us a little bit about your situation. Well, currently there's uh, six members of our family. It's harder, and it's getting harder and harder all the time. You look at the price of uh, of food. I mean, I think it was last summer you could get a head of cabbage for a dollar, and we got a head of cabbage, and it cost us almost $4 here this last week. It It's just getting tougher and tougher, and I mean, being on a budget, we we were all generic and we were all using products just to make make bigger meals. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're doing everything we can to be as efficient as we can. But as time goes on, it's getting harder and harder. Mm-hmm. And, and what assistance do you look to to, to help out? Um, SNAP benefits, food pantries, that sort of thing? Yeah, we've we've utilized the food pantry before, but we we've, we use the SNAP benefit system. And that helps out a lot. I've talked to other people around my my area, the same con- situation that I'm in, and they all say the same thing that without the SNAP benefits, they don't they don't see how they could even make it. Is it Dan noticeably harder in the summer when the kids aren't in school? Of course, they get school lunches, and and they depend on those. Yes, it is. It's it's quite a burden in the summertime, being that you know there's growing children and that much extra mouths feed and that much extra meal times. So, I mean, it, it is, you can definitely tell the difference in the summertime. Mm-hmm. Iowa will not participate this summer in the federal food program uh, that helps out uh, children in low-income families such as yours uh, to help with food costs while school is out. It's known as the Summer Electronic Benefits Transfer for Children Program, Summer EBT for short. 
Uh, Governor Reynolds uh, issued a statement uh, just before Christmas saying Iowa would not participate. Um, I guess the, the reasons there, I'm, I'm saying it would cost millions of dollars in administrative expenses the state would have to come up with. Also, um, uh, one of the reasons she gave, the assistance doesn't promote nutrition at a time uh, when o- child obesity is an epidemic, and uh, says uh, that the Biden administration and Congress should have given states flexibility to tailor the program to the state's needs. What's your reaction to uh, the governor's decision to um, not participate, to, to reject nearly $30 million in summer food assistance? My reaction to that is uh, I, I really don't think that he's on the level with that. Uh, as of being an obesity problem, I don't think so. If you gave people money on a card, which they'd go to the grocery store, I think they'd buy more more health foods, more more ingredients to make meals, healthy meals, instead of going to a oh a cafeteria style place where there's a lot of preservatives added in it. And you know, I ju- I just don't think I don't see where she's coming from that it's going to cost the state so much money when if it's cafeteria style, we'll say like at a school where where our area is from, you're going to have employees volunteer. You're going to have the cost opening that building up as of just putting it on a card and letting the people get a few extra groceries every time they're out at the grocery store and supporting local grocery store and businesses anyway. Dan, help us understand, for those who don't know, the difference between what you're talking about, this cafeteria feeding program and the summer EBT program. How are those different for you in the way they make food available? Okay, like what the state participates in right now is a summer feeding program. To me, it's got a lot of inefficiencies. It takes us, my family and I, 32 miles to get to the to the feeding site. And it's kind of a cafeteria-style program where there's a set time, Monday through Friday, and that's it. That you go there at a certain time. If you can't make it there, then you're out. Uh, which, on the other hand, this EBT summer card is, where you already be at the grocery store. You know what you need to feed your family at home. It wouldn't be an inconvenience to load everybody up and leave. You'd know what you want, and you could use it when you could. Can you explain why the summer meal programs at cafeterias aren't useful for your family? I, they're not useful for my family. Like, give instance, my family would have to travel 32 miles a day just to get that meal. And then you got the cost of your maintenance, wear and tear on your vehicle and the fuel to get there and round everybody up. And everybody's busy. And everybody that knows, that has kids, knows that when you when you do have kids, you're even twice as busy. So to get everybody free time to actually get that, it's, yeah. it's a struggle. Do you worry how food insecurity may, you know, uh, affect your children's growth and, and health? Is it is it that much of a concern for you? It's not right now. We uh, we we kind of keep it out of the minds of our children right now because they have more important things, schoolwork and just being children growing up. Uh, it could be in the future. I, I kind of see it is without any programs like this. I mean, it, as prices rise and inflation, it, it's getting harder and harder to make it, and it's starting to hit. Mm-hmm. What plans do, do you um, have uh, in your family now looking toward the summer when the children are out uh, out of school? How will you make ends meet? Well, I guess just take it one day at a time. Uh, 
we do have a garden and stuff that we help supplement some of our food with. Let's just help hope that the drought doesn't persist like it's supposed to, you know, and that's, that's just a good supplement, but you can only keep that stuff so long. Yeah. Dan, have you contacted any elected uh, officials about your situation uh, to make your concerns clear? I have. I have in the past, too. I've contacted a representative and then our senator in our area. Reaction was more or less a generic reaction. They'll take it in concern, and that's, that's all the further it went. I don't think there's as many advocates as there should be for this issue. It don't affect a lot of people. So other other people just kind of lay it aside, but for the people it does affect, they really don't have a voice. All right, Dan. We want to thank you once again uh, for sharing your family situation uh, with um, our listeners, being willing to share that, uh, a struggle that we know many thousands of Iowans share, many other families do, uh, in northwest Iowa where you are, but also all around the state. Dan, thank you so much. Thank you. It's River River to River from IPR News. I'm Ben Kiefer. That conversation I had with Dan recorded yesterday. Perhaps you um, find um, uh, that you are in a similar situation to Dan. We'd like to have you join our conversation this hour as we discuss food insecurity in the state. 1-866-780-9100. River to River at iowapublicradio.org if you prefer email. And uh, we're talking about how the state of Iowa recently rejected nearly $30 million in federal uh, summer food assistance for children of low-income families. And before we go to break, uh, let's uh, talk with Matt Unger, CEO of DMARC Food Pantry Network in Des Moines. Hi, Matt, in our Des Moines studio. Welcome. Thank you, Ben. Good to be here. Uh, You've been sitting by listening to that firsthand experience of uh, Dan and his family. I want to get into more about uh, your experience there at the Food Pantry Network. But uh, first of all, before we go to break, um, what strikes you is, uh, uh, I mean, you you hear a lot of stories, uh, I imagine, like Dan's. How many Dan's are there in Iowa? There's so many Dan's. And, you know, it's... You hate to you hate to speak ill of any program that's helping people get food, but some t- you need more tools than just one. You can't repair a car with just a hammer. Um, so the summer food program it works for some people. The thought of someone having to drive sixty four miles round trip to get lunch for their kids that that's too much. We're asking way too much of folks if if that's a scenario, and that's for a program that's five days a week. Some of these aren't five days a week. Some places don't even have them at all. Mm-hmm. How many Iowans are food insecure? And remind us what that actually means. So food insecurity is the circumstance of not knowing necessarily where your next meal is coming from, not having access to enough nutritious foods to to feed your family. Um, it's, it's actually a really hard number to pinpoint because it feels like we're always working in arrears where it's data from a couple years ago. But it's far in excess of 200 thousand people across the state and what we see across our food pantry network always exceeds what the estimated numbers of people in need are mm-hmm. and um, so a lot of these families with children so we're talking about over two hundred thousand children here affected by um, food insecurity yeah and in, in our food pantry network in this past year it was sixty five thousand unique individuals came to our food pantry network that's just at 14 pantries. You think about the size of Polk County, that would be an impressive number if we were talking about the entire 
system in our county. That's just at 14 pantries. Um, it's It breaks down to about one in four residents of Des Moines came to one of our food pantries. So this is this is a huge, huge problem that we're talking about, and I don't think it's been getting its due. All right, we're giving it its due this hour. We hope you'll join our conversation as we continue with Matt Unger. Of the, the, he's the CEO of DMARC Food Pantry Network in Des Moines. You can join us with your questions, also with your experiences, 1-866-780-9100, or email us, river to river at iowapublicradio.org. Back with more of our discussion uh, about food insecurity in the state after a brief break. Support for IPR comes from Hands in Harmony, a therapeutic healthcare facility with a splash of spa and a team of holistic healers to help in the quest for health, harmony, and happiness. Cedar Rapids and Mount Vernon. Classes, massage, and more at myhih.com. Support for IPR comes from the Healing Room at Upstream Functional Medicine offering medical spa services that support the body's natural ability to detoxify from environmental challenges. Learn more about The Healing Room at upstreamfm.com. We're back with more River to River from IPR News. I'm Ben Kiefer talking about food insecurity in the state. Iowa is in a hunger crisis. Uh, 2023 was the Des Moines Area Religious Councils, that goes by the acronym DMARC, their food pantry network's busiest year ever. More than a third of the more than 65,000 people it assisted last year were kids. Uh, Over 7% of Iowans struggling with hunger, uh, translating to nearly uh, 230,000 Iowans, including 80,000 children, according to the Iowa Food Bank Association. So this hour, uh, we're talking about food insecurity, but also um, Iowa, um, the governor announcing uh, last month the rejection of more than $29 million in summer food assistance for children of low-income families uh, after uh, determining uh, by that reasoning that was given. It would cost millions of dollars in administrative expenses. Um, uh, The governor said it doesn't promote nutrition at a time when child obesity is an epidemic. Um, Those are a couple of the reasons. We'll explore those a little bit later. Joining us now, Matt Unger in our Des Moines studio. He's the CEO of DMARC Food Pantry Network in uh, Des Moines. Um, And I want to introduce another person in our Des Moines studio as well, Andrea um, Cook is the program director of the Partnership Place at the Johnston Partnership. Hi, Andrea. Hello, Ben. Welcome to both of you. Before we get into um, this uh, refusal to take the federal money here, the implications of that, uh, I want to have us get to know your organizations a little bit better. Matt, for those not familiar with your food pantry network, tell us a little bit about how many it serves and where those people are and the pantries are. Sure. So we have 14 pantry partners across the metro. Um, It's in Des Moines and all the suburbs. And as I mentioned earlier, in our past year, 65,000 unique individuals came through our network. Uh, Compared to the prior year, that was a 22% increase. So nearly 15,000 more folks this year than last. Um, We offer a three to four day supply of food at any one of those pantries. We also have uh, where people can come in any day of the week and get some items that we call anytime products, which are, you know, food rescue items, uh, food drive items, things that don't have a cost implication for us. Um, 
and really, really just seeing precipitous growth in the number of folks that have been coming through since August. Mm-hmm. Andrea, uh, talk about the partnership place at the Johnston Partnership. I understand um, Johnston Partnership for a Healthy Community started uh, many years ago by a group of nurses in, in the Johnston Community School District. Yes. Um, the uh, There's a group of nurses. It's always the people in the schools, right, who saw kiddos without coats and didn't have enough to eat and trying to figure out a way to make um, their lives a little bit easier and make it so they could learn. It's hard to learn when you're in school and you're hungry and don't have what you need. Um, so it's uh, grown from there. About 11, 12 years ago, we began partnering with DMARC. So we are one of the 14 DMARC locations uh, around the Des Moines metro. And um, it is... Um, I've been doing this almost 10 years uh, in Johnston, uh, 15 years total uh, at a couple other pantries, and it continues to shock me how much need there is and how it continues to grow. And I, my line is always, I'd love to be put out of business. I'd love to have a day where we're bored and have mm-hmm. nothing to do, but that does not happen very often in our pantry, yeah. if ever. <laughs> pantry is one of the way that uh, people can find uh, nourishment who don't have enough in the state, but there are many other programs focusing this hour mainly on uh, this EBT summer assistance program. Uh, Andrea, tell us a little bit more about its origins and how it works, because it is a COVID-era program, correct, created by Congress. Yes, and it was meant to help when kids weren't in school and that access wasn't always there. So having the ability for parents to be able to go out and get what they need when they needed it um, at a time when there was, you know, an epidemic going on, it's huge. Um, We... You know, we had had, as Dan referenced too, we'd had other summer programs that still exist. And it takes, as Matt mentioned, many different tools to work, but not every tool works for everybody. And um, the, um, the, for parents to be able to go out and make those choices and the assumption that I hear so often coming from um, our state house and, and the Capitol that parents don't know how to make those choices well on their own um, when we want them to make choices in other areas well just seems frustrating when you know a couple extra dollars i don't know where they're coming from saying that that is not nutritious choices being made so Mm -hmm. we should mention at this point that uh, the governor's office did not return um, um, our requests uh, respond to our requests for comments Uh, that's why the governor's office is not represented uh, on uh, this program also uh, the iowa department of health and human uh, services declined to have a representative join this program, uh, though they did offer a written uh, statement. Um, the statement is, you know, uh, Iowa HHS more focused than ever on the whole person, family wellness. Several sentences about the importance of nutritional food, uh, not anything directly uh, concerning the um, a refusal of this EBT summer food money, um, but they did say, um, the, uh, in addition to the programs outlined below, we are actively exploring how we can both strengthen the uptake of the nutritional counseling services offered through our MCO partners and working to integrate additional access points for Iowans to receive nutritionally dense foods that address food insecurity as well as diet-related illness. Uh, there was a number of programs there, there listed. But to go to the points that, and have you respond to the points that the, the, the governor made in rejecting this, um, uh, n- number one, uh, would cost millions of dollars in administrative expenses, um, 
This is in a statement before, just before Christmas, issued by the governor. Um, why they, Iowa will not participate? Two, the assistance doesn't promote nutrition at a time when child obesity is an epidemic. Also, uh, the governor said the Biden administration and Congress should have given states flexibility to tailor the program to the state's needs. And in short, the quote from the governor, the COVID-era cash benefit, pro- progr- ca- cash benefit programs are not sustainable. Uh, I'd like to have both of you uh, respond to those. It would have been much better had we had the, the governor's office provide someone to talk about this, but we're doing the best we can to represent their side. Matt Unger, respond to the reasons for this rejection. Well, they... They just don't hold water for me. Uh, I believe we're sitting on a nearly $2 billion budget surplus. Um, So to take one-tenth of 1% to make sure that kids have access to food in the summer, I think would be a worthwhile expenditure. Um, Not to mention that that $2 million, uh, that's not an ongoing cost. In future years, it would be cheaper because they'd have to get some things established in this first year. But to be able to leverage thirty, nearly $30 million with a $2 million expense, the thing that, that I come back to is as a nonprofit, when we get $2 million, we get $2 million. Um, so to try to have organizations like ours make up that difference is just impossible. Um, the On the obesity question, the thing that drives childhood obesity in low-income families is not having enough money to get food because the healthier, more nutritious foods are more expensive. And so these folks, like Dan, you know, he's talking about how they have to stretch stretch the dollars and get the cheaper mm-hmm. foods, and a lot of that stuff is less nutritious. Mm-hmm. Andrea, yes. your response? Yes, uh, same thing. I mean, we see within the pantry on a regular basis, we offer a wide variety of non-perishable items, um, fresh, you know, frozen meats, proteins, dairy, eggs, produce. Uh, a lot of that due to DMARC, a lot due to some of our um, community uh, gardens that grow specifically for us. And that is by far and away the number one thing that goes out the door. We hardly ever have any produce left at the end of the week, no matter what comes in the door. That's what people are looking for. Um, and that cuts across all kinds of different cultural backgrounds. And it's the thing that is the most expensive. You know, Dan referenced himself that, you know, buying a head of cabbage costs a heck of a lot more now than it used to. And that it accounts for many different things. But when you're trying to leverage that budget and it's very limited and you have to make your choices and they're going to eliminate that option for parents, um, they have to make tough choices. And a box of mac and cheese is a heck of a lot more affordable than buying fresh spinach. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt, um, back to the, the the governor's quote here that this is a COVID-era cash benefit program that is not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Why should we have a, a COVID-era program continue to exist uh, when COVID, uh, the pandemic, has faded into the background? Well, and I think actually a little known piece about this program is that they had been studying and doing demonstration pilots about a summer EBD program for about 10 years. So starting back in 2011, they started looking at some pilots of of this program and seeing if it would make a dent in children's nutrition over the summer. And they've been wildly successful. Um, When you look at the the data that USDA reports on those, it increased whole grain and dairy consumption, fruit and vegetable consumption, um, sugar-sweetened beverages went down, child food insecurity was decreased by nearly one-third. So, I mean, it's not even a matter of 
this being something that is is new. COVID just allowed us to put it in place in a wider range to be able to really show that it, it can make a huge impact. And we've seen that across our network, too, with every every time one of those pandemic EBT benefits was sent out, we saw a decrease in the number of children that needed assistance at pantries. Mm. Join our conversation, 1-866-780-9100, or email us, river to river at iowapublicradio.org, as we talk about food insecurity in the state in light of uh, the state government rejecting more than $29 million in summer food assistance for children of low-income families. Last month it was announced um, uh, by the governor's office. Let's uh, go to our uh, phone. So let me share this email first of all. Um, I'm a 66-year-old disabled woman, uh, writes Barbara, who gets uh, $4 a day in food stamps. I'm living with immune suppression and a terminal lung disease. I would love to talk more about how horrific the situation with food stamps is, but I have to go in and stand in a line at a free lunch right now, which I could not live without. Thank you very much for bringing this matter to the public. From Barbara, let's go to Mason City, where Steve, one 780 Thanks for dialing. And uh, what's on your mind, Steve, as we discuss food insecurity in the state? Uh, two years ago, I uh, took a shopping list uh, and filled the list, uh, grocery basket, at each of the three national grocery chains in Mason City and two of the Iowa-based grocery stores. And then I donated each of the, from, you know, the shopping list from each of the stores to the local food bank. And I was shocked shocked that one of the uh, uh, cash register slips totaled $77, and each of the other four averaged between, or were between like $103 and $107. Mm-hmm. I think in addition to the food bank service, that uh, the, peop- the good-hearted people working there, if they could somehow make shopping at a 30% savings uh, feasible for some of the people that are trying to stretch their dollars. Uh, you know, that's pretty pretty low-hanging fruit when you have that. And there were no gimmicks, and the, uh, the quality mm-hmm. of, the, of the products were the same. That gigantic savings could go mm-hmm. a long way okay. in terms of food security. Steve, thanks for your point from Mason City. Matt Unger, what do you think of what Steve had to say there? I mean, I think we need to look at the whole system. Um, what what we're really talking about when we're talking about food insecurity is folks who don't have enough to meet the cost of living. And it's it's not just groceries. It's what they're paying for rent and housing. It's what they're paying for childcare. It's what they're paying for transportation. It's the whole conglomeration of things. And so, I mean, Steve's right. Like, we have to look at how do we reduce some of the costs of what it costs to live. And if we can't do that, how do we make sure that we're we're raising incomes for for these folks who are, you know poverty is kind of a nonsense number anymore. Every program that we have that that folks facing low income folks are facing is 200% of poverty, 300% of poverty. We we just we make these imaginary numbers. We need to be looking at what the cost of living is and how we can get people up to that level. Mhm. 
Andrea, talk a little bit more about the efficacy of this EBT summer program. How did it perform last year, the year before? What does the data tell us about the impact of summer programs on, on food security and child nutrition? Uh, there's, there, as Matt mentioned earlier, too, we, have, we see a direct link. When SNAP benefits are increased or decreased, we see almost a direct percentage of increase or decrease in our pantries and the needs. Um, Summer is, I mean, any parent, my kids are college and end of high school, um, you know, summer is tough for every parent. You're going through a lot more resources. You're going through more water. You're going through more supplies in your house, not to mention food. And it's something that the the summer EBT program helps, again, with those sort of things because parents can make those choices and, and, and uh, when you're looking at a budget and trying to balance those things. Um, there are other summer meal options and dan had mentioned driving you know to a different location those exist across the state we do have a few in johnston um again it's not it's it's one tool in the toolbox it's much easier for people who live very close to those meal sites and it's only lunch and it's only monday through friday it is not um younger siblings who are not enrolled in school. It is not parents who come along. So it's only the school-age kids who are able to to participate in those. It is, um, you know, uh, you're eating outside in the summer, regardless of the weather, <laughs> regardless of the situation and surroundings that you're in. And um, it's, you know, again, works for kiddos that can walk across the street or to the community center that's very close by to be able to do that. It's not something that works definitely in rural Iowa. And depending on where you live, you know, we don't have a lot of public transportation options either. So it's hard for people to get places unless they're on foot. Um, so yeah, it's not the, the, the cash in hand makes a huge difference. And that not only benefits the families, um, I think it was also mentioned at one point, the, the businesses. Um, EBT money spends the same as every other dollar that you and I spend in a grocery store. And those grocery stores already exist. And that's a benefit across the state. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering about what Dan said, too, and we have go have to go to a break briefly. But, you know, when you regardless of the amount of time it takes to uh, go to a cafeteria style um, food um, uh, for your family, uh, you know, we talk about the stigma. Right. Uh, Matt mm-hmm. Unger, when you or, you know, when you can buy yourself yourself your own food at the um supermarket with an EBT card, uh, it, it makes a difference, right? You don't have to have your kids uh, go there and possibly, um, you know, worry about a stigma. Is that right, Matt? A- absolutely. I mean, pride's a big thing, uh, especially for Iowans. And no one no one wants to be made to feel shamed or less than. And some of these these programs where you, you have to put yourself out there and be front and center, it's, it's hard to make that choice. It's a hard decision for someone to come to a food pantry. Okay. When we come back, we'll continue our discussion about the uh, rejection of um, nearly $30 million in summer food assistance for children of low-income families last month. Um, and we'll talk about the protests, uh, the concerns voiced yesterday at the Iowa Capitol. It's River to River from IB. IPR News. Support for IPR comes from the Healing Room at Upstream Functional Medicine, offering medical spa services that support the body's natural ability to detoxify from environmental challenges. Learn more about the Healing Room at upstreamfm.com. 
Back with more River to River from IPR News, I'm Ben Kiefer talking about food insecurity in the state and more specifically uh, the fact uh, that um, um, that um, our state government has uh, turned down some federal food assistance, a summer food EBT uh, program that was announced by the governor last uh, month. Uh, the governor didn't their office did not return a request for comment on this program, provide anybody uh, to talk about it, uh, as uh, as uh, was the case with the Department of Health and Human Services. But here, here's a comment from the governor's office uh, that I'll read in full, and then we'll talk about what happened yesterday at the Iowa Capitol. Uh, from the governor's office, federal COVID-era cash benefit programs are not sustainable, don't provide long-term solutions for the issues impacting children and families. An EBT card does nothing to promote nutrition at a time when childhood obesity has become an epidemic, uh, stated the governor. Also, the HHS and the Department of Education have well-established programs in place that leverage partnerships with community-based providers and schools who understand the needs of the families they serve. Uh, The governor's statement went on, if the Biden administration and Congress want to make a real commitment to family well-being, they should invest in already existing programs and infrastructure at the state level and give us the flexibility to tailor them to our needs. What about that, Andrea Cook? Um, uh, What about investing in the programs that already exist, as the governor is calling for? Uh, So many other programs that do exist require more of those who are already living in this bind, trying to figure out how to make budgets and everything work. When um, when you're looking at families who are going to the pantry, they're not able to survive based on what they get from us. Uh, three-day food supply once a month families can get, and then they might be able to supplement with some bread and some other things if they are able to come and visit. But that's in addition to grocery store visits, going to work, getting kids to school, you know, t- life and trying to do everything else. So if you're trying to go to yet another appointment for another um, provider or another program that you're enrolled in or something that you have to keep jumping through hoops to be able to qualify for, it's not sustainable. And, you know, I feel like SNAP has proven um, that it does actually help feed people. And, you know, again, they talked about doing something like this for years before the pandemic um, made it possible to kind of finally push the button on it. And it seems such an easy gamble to spend you know, even if it's a full $2 million the first year to get $29 million back makes no sense to me yep. at all, at all. You're talking about the administrative costs <laughs> yes. that the yes. uh, Iowa would have to invest to get those federal monies. Mm-hmm. Um, advocates gathered in the Iowa Capitol Rotunda yesterday calling on lawmakers to accept this federal food assistance, I guess to reverse uh, the decision but announced by the governor. Mandy Remington of Iowa City was there, a mother of three. At the demonstration, she urged the legislature to pass the bill. She told IPR's Katarina Sestarik that the pandemic version of this program helped her a lot. Um, It made a big difference. Um, We actually are kind of in that wage gap where there aren't many benefits at all that we're eligible for. That was at a point in time where my children were still eligible for reduced price lunch. Um, And even if you're not on a reduced price lunch, those school prices, meal prices are like 2 to $3 a meal. Even cooking at home, that's hard to beat. I think it has to do with their bulk purchasing that they're able to do, bulk preparation and everything. Um, so over the summer, that extra meal every day, you know, three kids, five days a week that they're normally in school, that's 15 extra meals a week right there. And that 
makes a big difference. Um, as a state employee, I get paid on the first of every month. That's my only paycheck for the whole month. So by the end of the month, things do start getting difficult when you're barely making enough to pay your bills. Um, so we find ourselves stretching food at the end of the month. And that pandemic EBT made a really big difference in that and in allowing us to continue to have fresh foods rather than just struggling with what we could throw together out of cans in the last week or so of every month. Mandy Remington at that demonstration at the Capitol yesterday also told other demonstrators she's a domestic abuse survivor and that programs like this can be helpful for others in these situations. I make a decent enough income if there were two of me, right? I make about $55,000 a year, um, but when half of that goes to rent, um, so I, yeah, I get about $3,000 a month in take-home pay. 1500 goes to rent, that doesn't include my utilities. 300 and something a month goes to after-school care. I have about a $300 a month car payment, and that was the cheapest car I could find when my old used car broke. There's not a whole lot left over for food. The idea of ending up in that situation and not knowing if you're going to be able to pay your bills keeps a lot of people in bad situations. If you don't know that you can keep a roof over your kid's head or that you can put food in your child's mouth, you're a lot more likely to stay in a situation that is unhealthy and even potentially dangerous because of that big scary unknown. Andrea Cook, react to what we hear from Mandy uh, Remington. Uh, it's a story we hear far, far too often. Um, I uh, the the stress that that takes every month and trying to navigate that and make it work and feed those kids and then when they come home and they're home in the summer like she said that's 15 meals a week that she wasn't doing before um mm -hmm. we we already have parents coming into the pantry week before christmas there was a lady who came in the door had never been to a pantry before and she was like oh i'm so glad you're here she said i i don't get paid for three more days and i don't know how i'm gonna buy any food my kids are coming home in two hours yeah. you know what what can i grateful for anything she could get but that's, you know, again, it, there's a lot of expenses that are going into it, and half of her income is going towards her rent. That's not a sustainable system, and that's a whole other story. But, yes, the the food is what they end up cutting corners on. Yeah, and, and Matt Unger of the uh, DMARC Food Pantry Network, people don't come in just for handouts. These people often, we talked about stigma earlier, overcome um, you know, sort of internal barriers to accepting this kind of food, don't they? It's a, it's a big mental hurdle for people to accept that food, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and it's not people that are necessarily coming every single month either. You know, when we look at those 65,000 unique individuals, they came an average of three to four times over the course of the year. So people are really using the emergency food system as an emergency option for themselves. Um, I think the, the other thing that makes things really tough where we're talking about stigma and pride is it's hard for folks like Mandy to stand up and share that story and talk about it with people. But we really need people to share their stories, particularly with our policymakers, because they're just operating on such wrong information and they need to hear your truths of the stories and circumstances you're facing. Stacy and Ankeny, who is listening, writes this email right in tune with what you just said, Matt. What can listeners do to help implement the summer EBT in the future? And related to summer EBT, 
Are there any other legislative proposals this year that would provide healthy food access to kids? Uh, Asks Stacy in Ankeny. So uh, let's devote the last few minutes into here to 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 uh, talking about solutions here. Matt Unger, uh, is a reversal possible in the governor's announcement? Uh, Could the Iowa still take advantage of this federal program? The deadline has passed, right? The deadline has passed. Um, I think USDA and Secretary Vilsack have signaled a willingness to look at an extension of that and work with states that want to come back to this. So I think there's still a very slim chance that if we could reverse course this year, we could still enroll in that program this summer. What we're focusing on is leg- there's legislation that's been introduced in both the House and the Senate um, to compel the state to participate in this program going forward. There's also a bill out there to supply some funding to a program called Double Up Food Bucks, which for folks who are on SNAP, for every dollar they spend on uh produce items, they get a dollar back to spend on produce items, which really pushes them to be able to stretch and get more nutritious, great, healthy produce. Um, And and that one's a no-brainer to me, too. Mm -hmm. Let me have you react uh, to something that the Republican House Speaker, Pat Grassley, um, said last week on this program. Uh, He said he supported Reynolds' decision not to take that additional EBT food assistance for summer programs. Uh, Grassley said, though, if lawmakers are going to take action related to food security, he would rather do that at the state level rather than join a federal program. Yeah, one of the questions I, you know, the, the and I don't know if this is their policy they've released, but in my conversations with them, they were looking to the state for a potential sort of ability to partnership or do some matching at some level. And I think if the legislature really believes that, you know, joining into every partnership that the federal government dangles out in front of us, instead of just taking every money without asking any questions, if we can find solutions at the local level, I think that's not only a better use of our dollars, but it makes it so it's better for supporting Iowa um, uh, Iowa companies and growers. But I think ultimately it gives us the autonomy and provides us the ability to be flexible in how we approach that. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Speaker Pat Grassley, uh, last week on this program, Matt Unger react to that. So is it a matter for in the future, the, the federal government working better with the state of Iowa or uh, listening to Iowa's concerns? I think we can do both. I mean, I agree with the speaker in that we should be asking questions about any program that's introduced. But when you can spend $2 and leverage, $2 million and leverage that into 30, we're not going to find a deal like that that's any better you know state funding is going to be state funding um it's not going to be able to leverage 15 times the investment that we make and we we have to take advantage anyone who was looking at this from a strictly investment point of view would be like yes do it do it immediately um so we got to get away from the politics of it and get into the just plain logic and sense of it Mm-hmm. When you mentioned the politics, it brings to mind that Iowa is not the only state that is refusing these EBT monies, is it, Matt? Uh, I mean, if we look at my latest information, according to a federal tracker, perhaps you have better information. Uh, Iowa, one of 20 states not listed among those participating in the program. Uh, we look at uh, 17 of those states, according to my information, Missouri, Nebraska, South Dakota, led by Republican governors. Is there a theme there? 
I mean, I think it, to an extent there is, but at, at the same right, there are Republican governors that have said, yes, we're going to do this program. Um, you know, Arkansas has stepped up and there you have a, a very well-known governor and Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who is, you know, very influential and involved in the prior presidential administration. So I think there's there's the opportunity to look at this only through the lens of what is right for children and should we be doing this? Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrea, what other facets do we need to touch on from your point of view? Uh, there, uh, the, the going back just to the the stigma part of it, and trying to what, Matt and I spend a lot of time in the work we do, trying to amplify the voices of the people that we meet all the time. Um, it is hard for people to want to step up and tell those stories. Uh, I have a lot of conversations with people on a regular basis. I'm like, you would be great at this. We need your voice. We need you to talk more about this. And I hear stories from moms whose kids are being um, bullied at school. And it's not always, um, they, as, as much as we may try to um, protect the kids from things, there's still things that come out. And um, it's not easy to be in those positions. Um, any money that the state is thinking about reinvesting. I, I, I don't know. I hear some of those stories and I think that that's code for they want to put it back into nonprofits. Um, the, you know, I don't know what kind of money they're talking about. I spend a lot of energy recreating a grocery store in our pantry. Um, we spend a lot of we're, we were spending tens of thousands of dollars every year to update our infrastructure to be able to safely move the tens of thousands of pounds that are coming in every week. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of program they think they're going to create that isn't a better investment than what the federal government is giving. Strings attached. I hear that from some elected officials that I've spoken with. You know, what kind of strings are attached to the money? Um, SNAP dollars are are completely reimbursed and they pay for half the administrative costs for the state. So I don't understand why that wouldn't just be an automatic yes. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to our phones uh, for the final uh, input from our listener, uh, Toby, in Iowa City. Welcome. Not much time, Toby. What's on your mind as we talk about food insecurity in the state? Yes, I'll try to be quick. I'm very much worried that a lack of knowledge about human physiology is going to cause people to question Governor Reynolds' decision to refuse the federal aid because of her concerns about obesity. I mean, in Iowa which happens to be the largest source of high fructose corn syrup in the world. In Iowa, if you see a child with a distended stomach, please don't assume that they're obese. They might actually be in the final stages of starvation instead. Hmm. Toby, I don't know. uh, We haven't looked into that. I don't know if Matt Unger can uh, react to what uh, Toby said there. Um, that's it's a little outside my expertise, but I, I <laughs> or, know or I know I've, and, I've heard the same thing. <laughs> yeah, well, and uh, Andrea. Yeah. Well, and to assume that um, the reaction that I have heard, we've had some surprise donors who have popped up since the governor made her announcement, um, and just you know put into words so much that apparently you know we're we're going to assume that children need to look like they're starving before we're going to help them. Doesn't. But makes it it seems like it was a very cruel announcement to make those few days before Christmas. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Matt Unger, talk a little bit more in closing here in the final minute or so about what are your efforts going forward to work with lawmakers uh, in the future if these EBT monies are not going to be present here in the uh, in in the summer. Um, nearly thirty million dollars of federal money. Uh, what will you be working on? 
um, in, in the future to make sure that those in need get the adequate nutrition. We're going to have to just continue to to educate people on what is real and what isn't, what programs do, how they work, what we're able to do and what we're not able to do in the nonprofit sector. Uh, we really need to come together, nonprofit sector, private sector, government. We all have a role to play in this. And if we aren't each playing that role at our strongest ability, we're not going to make a dent in this problem. And we just we need to work together on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrea, your final words about what listeners who have been activated by this conversation could do. Um, contact your elected officials. Keep talking, even though you may have um, elected officials who may feel and agree with you. Um, reach out to others uh, that may not. Um, help amplify the voices of those you know who are in that position. Make sure that you know that it's not okay for kids to be hungry in this state. It's just not acceptable. Okay, thank you very much. Andrea Cook, Program Director at Partnership Place at the Johnson Partnership. Thanks for coming into our studio, Andrea. Thank you. And Matt Unger, CEO of DMARC Food Pantry Network in Des Moines. Thanks for all the great work you both do. I should say that as well. And thanks for coming into our studio, Matt. Thank you, Ben. Today's program produced by Caitlin Troutman with help from Katarina Sestarik and Catherine Perkins. I'm Ben Kiefer. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.